Welcome to the Cinema Rack, where we celebrate the greatest and worst in Hollywood films and their most self-indulgent narcissistic actors, directors, and producers. Here, we will laud and malign Hollywood's seedier elements with levity and humor. They love cinema as much as anyone does. They've been talking about it for over 30 years. Time to get trashy. Here's Gregory and May. Hello, everybody. This is Gregory, and welcome back to another episode of The Cinema Rag. I hope you're doing well today. Today, we're going to continue the series, The Emperor Has No Clothes, and talk about Seth Rogen. Now, we'll see how many times I call Seth Rogen Joe Rogan in this episode. But Seth Rogen, look. Let me be clear. Like a lot of these Emperor Has No Clothes, I'm not saying that Rogan has absolutely no talent. Like a lot of these Emperor Have No Clothes series, these people have one gear, one track. Whether it be Rebel Wilson, whether it be J-Lo, whether it be Paul Rudd, whoever we're talking about. In Rogan, you know what Rogan's track is. He's He's got one trick. He's a one-trick pony. And that trick is, and I'm smoking pot. Now, I know that sounds a lot like my really poor Hugh Grant impersonation, where he just stutters through all of his early movies. But my rogue is like, and he smokes pot. That's pretty much his role in everything. The few times he's tried something dramatic, the few times it has not succeeded. He's just the same in every movie. And it's interesting because my... My relationship with Rogan, I think, has changed as I've gotten older. So I remember seeing him probably like, oh, this is Seth Rogan. Probably. I didn't watch Undeclared. I didn't watch that show uh, when it was out. I knew about it, but I didn't watch it. And I didn't watch Freaks and Geeks either. I was already at that point in my late 20s in that show. I mean, like, I can definitely relate to the... To the, to the geeks in that movie, if you, if you go to my other podcast feeds. Uh, but, but no, I didn't watch any of these. So probably it was 40-year-old virgin. That was probably my first experience meeting Mr. Rogan. And look, I've mentioned it with May and I've mentioned it here before. One of the movies that I love in that series is Wedding Crasher. So I was definitely into the R-rated comedies about 15 to 20 years ago when they were at their peak and certainly Rogan was part of this he was influential on this and at the time I found his movies to be funny I remember distinctly going to see Knocked Up at the movie theater with my then wife and one of my closest friends who brought his girlfriend and we laughed quite a bit but the older I get as I've entered my 40s and close to to 50 I've just lost interest in his movies and I think it's something like I've talked about with Tarantino versus Nolan. May and I talked about it. It's like, I think with, with Tarantino, it's the same thing. Like the, His movies are interesting when you're younger. But then as you get older, you kind of grow out of it. And I and I like to think, or I hope to think, that people grow out of uh, Seth Rogen's work. Now, to his credit, aside from doing all the acting that he's done, he's done quite a bit of producing. If you look in the, especially in the last, I'd say maybe five to ten years he's done a lot of producing and the boy in writing too he's very prodigious in his writing the boy hustles when it comes to doing work and for that you definitely have to give him credit so as usual with these with these kind of retrospectives we're going to go through his major works and then talk about his personal life which i actually find quite interesting 
So Freaks and Geeks, of course, is iconic. That was really, I think, Judd Apatow's first foray. I mean, I think he was in the Larry Sanders show, if I'm not mistaken. But I think you look at Freaks and Geeks, and that's one of those television shows maybe 10 years earlier would have been my so-called life. These kind of iconic shows that really resonated with a certain segment of the population that is well-loved and well-respected. The show itself, of course, didn't last that long. It was only, I think, about a year and a half, and then it was canceled. And then he bounced around. You know, He did an episode in Dawson's Creek. He had a little cameo and anchorman and of course an undeclared that was another show that only lasted a year and a half but eventually it was 40 old virgin where he plays the guy that works with steve Carell's character they're the lifters so to speak and he's one of the the major characters in that movie and then from there it's just a good 10 years of just incredible success in movies and like I, the one of the things I respect about Rogan, as I just mentioned, is that the boy hustles. Whether it be writing, writing his own stuff, writing for other people, producing his own stuff, producing for other people, and acting, he does a lot of work. But we're just going to hit his iconic works. So of course, Forty Year Old Virgin, two thousand five, then Knocked Up, really launches him into the stratosphere because he's leading that movie with Catherine Heigl. Of course, Catherine Heigl <laughs> became persona non grata uh, during this time because she did give some shade about that movie. And of course, with Grey's Anatomy and so forth. And then after a few years, she was pretty much gone. Superbad 2007. I, I have my take on Superbad. If you go to part one of why, why does everybody love this movie? I don't understand it. That movie is mentioned. I'm not going to say it's one of those movies. I'm just going to say that May and I do bring up Superbad in that movie. Of course, it is an iconic comedy. And you think, oh, what a 2007. He has Superbad and Knocked Up. Superbad, he, he plays Officer Michaels along with Bill Hader. So because it's not it's not a lead role, but still it's an important role in that. Then he starts Kung Fu Panda. He's got a, a big role in that going forward. He has a, a little role in Step Brothers. 2008, he does Pineapple Express. He's one of the leads along with Franco and Danny McBride in that movie. Again, you know, what's, what's the classic Rogan? It's just... <laughs> You know, I'm pot smoking. Zach and Mary make a porno. Same thing. Observe and Report. That was kind of a stinky movie that he did in 2009. That movie didn't really do much at all. At all. Funny People 2009. Again, I'm a big fan of Apatow. I do like Funny People. I think Funny People, and I know this is not the hottest take, but I do like Funny People, and this is 40 probably the most, two of his later works. And in this one, he plays Ira, the guy who writes jokes for and kind of is a handler for the Adam Sandler character. I like that movie, but again, he's, he's the same in that movie too. He does Like a Boss, the Lonely Island video. He is the boss in that movie. Then he does Green Hornet. Green Hornet, I think, is his first big bomb. He plays Britt Reed, of course, from that series. And that movie just tanked. But then he comes back, he's in Kung Fu Panda 2, 2011, 50, 15, 2011, where he is the best friend to Joseph, Joseph Gordon-Levitt who gets cancer. I think that's a, that's a good movie. It's got some heart to it. Though any movie that's got Anna Kendrick, I automatically have to deduct points because as you know, I have an early episode, I think probably around episode 20. Huh? Let's take a break. I wanted to let you know about some of the other feeds here at the Eclectico Gregorio. The oldest one we have is... The Awakened Man, which mostly deals with holistic health, medical cover-ups, ways to biohack your life, to ensure longer longevity, medical conspiracies, and naturopathic stuff. 
We also have, and that there's probably about 400, 500 episodes over there. We started that one back in 2017, 2016, I believe. We also have the Female Holistic Health Apothecary, which originally started as an essential oils feed. And there's about 100 episodes on essential oils, particular essential oils like rose and lavender and sandalwood and so forth. And then later I morphed it into more topics that are regarded for female health, female specific. We've had that feed also since 2016. And then lastly, we have Confessions of an Obese Child, which deals with my childhood obesity and trauma that came from it. So it's a great feed for those who dealt with childhood trauma that led you to have addictions to alcohol or food. And I interviewed several people and what it was like to grow up overweight and all the difficulties of losing the weight and then keeping it off and trying to metamorphosize into a regular weighted person. So check out those feeds at the Eclectical Gregory on Apple or Spotify. That she and Jesse Eisenberg just drive me crazy. They're kind of built the same way, just kind of neurotic and talk too much. So then after that, he does a lot of, he does for a good time call. He does that in 2012. That one didn't really do too well. Guilt trip in 2012. That didn't really do too well. And he do, he's doing a lot of TV at this time, but we're not, we're going to skip it kind of like his cameos. Then 2013, he does This Is The End. This is the ensemble work with a lot of his buddies that are in this movie. You got Jonah Hill, you got Danny McBride, Franco. It's the end of the world where they're all stuck in that house as crap's going down outside. I am not a big fan of this movie. I think this movie is ridiculously stupid and, and lacks a lot of wit that I like. I think a lot of Rogan's early work that are maybe directed by Apatow because this is this is the end is not directed by Apatow, but I think it lacks a lot of the charm and wit and heart and heart that those early works do. And I think this is the end is just a horrifically bad movie. I really cannot stand that movie. He comes back the next year with Neighbors. Neighbors is with my girl. I do like my Rose Byrne. I mentioned Rose Byrne with May in the episodes of underrated actors and actresses under the age of fifty. I think she's very talented. Then in 2014, he does the interview. I think most of you are familiar with what happened during that movie. That's Dave Franco, and they go to North Korea uh, to to do the interview of the leader. And Kim Jong-un at the time was not happy with this movie. And Sony was pressured and was going to cancel the release of the movie because there was a cyber attack on the studio, allegedly done by North Korea. And it was just a big controversy. And so they delayed the, the release of this movie. It eventually was released. And I've seen it. I, 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 don't, I, I don't think it's that that great. It's a typical kind of Franco Roseburn movie. But that was controversial at the time. And then you continue with his, his career. Again, very prodigious in what he's doing. He's got a dramatic role as Steve Wozniak in, in the movie Steve Jobs, which I think is a good movie. And I think he does a good job impersonating Wozniak. That's the Fassbender movie. I think he's fine in that movie. Then he's in the movie The Night Before in 2015. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not a big fan of this movie. This movie is Anthony Mackie and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. They reunite there. 2016 is Kung Fu Panda 3. 2016 is Sausage Party. That's an animation movie that's really stupid. It, it has foods that are interacting in a naughty way. I would just say it that way. 2016 is Neighbors 2, Sorority Rising. This movie is not good at all. It is not good at all. Then you keep going. Then in 2017, he's got a role in The Disaster Artist. That's the movie with Dave Franco. And I, if I'm not mistaken, it is 
directed by James Franco, starring his brother Dave Franco and James Franco. It's a it's it's a brothers thing, and the movie's fine. You know, Rogan's got a role in that too. But I, again, it, it's it's all cut from the same cloth. It's all cut from the same cloth. And then you notice it by this time that his I, I would say like his success in movies languishes a tad. He comes back in 2019 with Long Shot. I am not a big fan of this movie. I know there's people who think this movie is great. This is the one Charlize Theron is running for. I think she's the vice president at the time. And she wants to make a run for the presidency. And he's kind of this slacker, pot-smoking guy who, who she hires as a speechwriter. And then we're supposed to believe that this gorgeous woman is going to fall in love with Seth Rogen. Yeah, no, it ain't going to happen. And then one of the things that drives me crazy at the end of this movie is that he, his character, Fred Flarsky, ends up taking her last name when they get married. And that's just, it's just like the epitome of sympathy, complete sympathy. And then after that, he do, he's doing a lot of television, uh, which we're not going to mention here, just cameos and so forth. And he comes back with American Pickle. This was a movie, I believe it was on Netflix, if I'm not mistaken, where he plays both himself and his, his uh, I think it's his grandfather, great-grandfather, 100 years earlier, because the the ancestor falls, in, falls into a pickle factory where he's frozen in time of some sort. And then they, they bring him back to life 100 years later, and he's interacting with uh, the Seth Rogen character who's kind of a hipster Brooklynite at the time. And so I think the movie like has some good points to it, like how it demonstrates that our generation today is just completely out of touch with how difficult things were for our immigrant ancestors and how we have it so easy, but we forget that because we focus on first world problems. And I think that in that regard, the movie does well. But I just think that it just doesn't hit. It just the, the movie doesn't hit. And then you look at he has a role in the Fablemans, uh, the Spielberg movie in twenty twenty two. And then he's the voice of Donkey Kong in Super Mario Brothers movie twenty twenty three, which is done exceedingly exceedingly well. Now, in terms of upcoming, the guy's got ten things upcoming. So. Most recently, he did the, the TV show on Apple TV called Platonic, which he does with Rose Byrne. Again, he and Rose Byrne have a great chemistry. And I've not seen it because I don't have Apple TV, but it's kind of like how they're childhood friends who just hang out a lot together. And they just, you know, it's, it's a fun buddy comedy, so to speak. And then in post-production, he has Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. He has Dumb Money which is follows the Wall Street chaos after GameStop stock skyrocketed due to Reddit. That is, uh, that's in post-production. And then in production is Kung Fu Panda 4. So, of course, he's going to play Mantis again in that. Also, in pre-production is Mufasa, The Lion King, where he's going to play Pumbaa. So, again, and there's other stuff that he's got going on, either in pre-production or post-production. So, again, the guy hustles. My only issue is that he's the same in every movie. Now, in terms of his writing... He and his and his buddy Evan Goldberg have written a lot of the, the movies that he himself are, is famous for or, or, or other successful movies. So going back to Superbad, he wrote Superbad. He wrote Pineapple Express. He wrote The Green Hornet. Maybe he regrets that. <laughs> he also wrote Dribble Taylor, the, the Owen Wilson movie from 2008. He also wrote The Watch. The Watch, that is a movie, you look at the talent that's in it, it's got Jonah Hill, Ben Stiller, and other people, and that movie kind of tanked. He wrote This Is The End, 
which I, you know, you know, I feel about that. And he wrote the interview. He wrote Sausage Party. He wrote Neighbors Two. So again, he and Goldberg, uh, Evan Goldberg, write quite a bit. They do a lot of their own work, which is great. I think you should write yourself into stuff. Uh, if it, you see this played on Saturday Night Live, like if you are not getting uh, your roles that you want, then write the roles that you want to be in. And going to producing, the guy has been a producer, executive producer. You know, to to what extent is he producing and has a lot of roles in in or say in what he's doing? Really depends on where you catch him in his career because he is a co-producer of Forty All Virgin. He's an executive producer of Knocked Up and Superbad, Pineapple Express, Funny People. Like every movie, he's a producer. And I think if you look at the later on his career, most recently. And he has a lot more say in these movies because he has a lot more power in Hollywood and he has a producing company. And so he has a lot more say. But certainly, aside from the movies that I mentioned, he also was a producer in Blockers, which I think is a pretty funny Leslie Mann movie. And Neighbors 2, you see that he he moved over to television and he was a producer for quite a lot of stuff. Like The Future Man, that was a TV show that ran for 17 episodes. He was executive producer of Preacher and Preacher ran 2016 and 2019 for 43 episodes. He's a producer of Black Monday, which ran from 2019 to 2021, and that had 24 episodes. He's a producer of Santa Inc., The Boys Presents, Diabolical, Pam and Tommy, the one about Pamela Anderson and Tommy, Tommy Lee. He is a producer of The Boys, the very successful TV show, 2019 to 2022, 24 episodes. So again, the guy, Invincible, Platonic, the guy is busy being a producer, being a writer, and so forth. And in terms of his producing credits, he has 13 things in pre and post-production. Let's look at his personal life. His personal life's pretty boring. He's been with the same woman, I think, most of his Hollywood existence. So he started dating Lauren Miller. And Lauren Miller herself, she has, has been involved in, in some movies, either as a writer or a director, like Superbad, Zack and Mary Make a Porno, 50-50. So no doubt... Uh, they met when they were working on the Ali G show, and I don't remember him being influential in that. That's the Sasha Baron Cohen television show. They were eventually married in 2011, and she shows up here and there in some of his work. They don't have any plans to have kids, and I remember hearing a reading. I think it was reading an interview by them, or it was in People Magazine or somewhere. They're like, look, we like our life. We can do what we want, travel where we want, have the life so we want, smoke the pot that we want all these things, and kids would just kind of get in the way. I'm paraphrasing, but kids would get in the way of that, and we don't want to have kids. So they've said straight out, we are not going to have kids at all. Not surprisingly, Rogan (laughs) created a cannabis brand with Evan Goldberg, his co-creator, and a bunch of stuff. And I mean, that's not surprising at all, given that he, he is a big pot smoker in almost all of his movies. In terms of his political views, it's not surprising. He was raised very Jewish. Uh, his parents grew up in a kibbutz, and he, I mean, he admits that his his parents were pretty radical social socialist Jews. He is, of course, left of center, as pretty much everybody in Hollywood is, and that's not surprising. So look, I mean, look, Rogan, I give him credit for a couple of things. One, he's lost weight, which I think is good for his health. Go over to the Waken Man and Confessions of an Obi Shaw, my other, my other feeds I've had here forever. So I think it's great. It's going to be great for his health that he's lost that weight. Hopefully he can keep it off. And again, I give him credit for just working. He's constantly working. And the guy is young. You know, he's only 41 years old. 
I do think he looks older than his age, but either way, he's only 41 years old and he has a, just a humongous opus of works that he's written, produced, and that he's done. But you know what? I, I've heard him interviewed either on Stern or at other places. And the guy, in closing, the guy acts like he is. So like when you hear him in interviews, he seems like just a normal guy. He's laughing, you know, it's just, that's who he is. And then it's, he's the same on television now or on movies. Now, of course, like in Steve Jobs and some movies where he's betraying somebody else, that's different. But as a whole, Rogan plays himself. And that's why he's in The Emperor Has No Clothes because typically I pick people in this series who don't have any range that essentially play themselves. So Paul Rudd is always Paul Rudd. Jason Bateman's always Jason Bateman and so forth and so forth. So Rogan, I think, has done quite a bit with his life and his career for the limited range that he has. And credit to him, the guy's worth something at least 80 million. He's gonna be worth a lot more given all his producing uh, credits that he ha that he has going and he's in his low 40s. So the guy's gonna make a lot of money. So I think like with a lot of talent, you don't necessarily need to be a fast bender or a Daniel Day-Lewis. You need to find what you're good at, what your range is, and then create opportunities for that, which he has done by writing a lot of himself, writing himself into a lot of his works and, and producing a lot of his own works. And just write that to the bank as long as you can. Now, I will say as a social conservative, I'm not a big fan of, you know, clearly of his pot and, and, and kind of pushing the, the pop, pop propaganda along with Apatow and, and others in all of their movies that glorify pot smoking and kind of like, I think Rogan epitomizes the, the poster child for the stunted man, the, the delayed adolescent man. I think Pete Davidson has carried on this has carried on the flag now, but it was definitely Rogan for the you know, late knots and early teens of the man. You see, I mean, this character is definitely played out probably best and knocked up. You know, the guy who's in his 30s, underemployed, smokes pots, eats hot pockets and plays video games all the time. And he was definitely the poster boy for that. And I think that's not good. I, I think as a whole, if you look at even two generations before us, you would turn 21, get a job at the factory and start having a family. So I'm not a big fan of how he kind of knowingly or unknowingly pushes these things. No doubt he's knowingly pushing the pot smoking. And we have episodes here at The Awakened Man how pot smoking increases your chances of getting schizophrenia and, and having psychotic breaks and all these things like that. So I'm not a big fan of that. So Rogan, look, you have a you have a limited range. I'm not saying you're not talented. I do think you have comedic talent, but you have a limited range and you've optimized that to the best of your ability to be a, a millionaire and you you work hard on what you do. That being said, I think you have limited range and limited talent in terms of your acting. Guys, I'll post a poll on Spotify and over at the Cinema Rec Facebook group. Let, let me know what you think about Rogan. As always, please rate and review on Spotify and Apple because it helps with the algorithm. There's a link for PayPal to make a donation and there's a link to the website which hosts the Eclectico Gregorio feeds. But the best way to check out these podcasts, of course, is on Apple and Spotify. Until next time, take care. God bless. Thanks for listening to The Cinema Rag. Please post an honest review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Check out the episode notes to visit our website and to make a donation. Lastly, follow the rag today. Until next time.